Welcome to Marvel Cinematic University, the show where we talk about everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I am your host for this episode, Jay Christie, filling in for Jerome Chang, who's our normal Loki host because it is Canada Day. And he is here right now, but he might have to leave in a second, so I'm hosting. But before we get to the introductions, I will just mention, as Jerome does at the end of beginning, at the beginning of all these podcasts, that if you like what we do and you want to hear more of it, you can sign up for our Patreon uh, at patreon.com slash Pod. This weekend on July 4th, we're releasing our review of the first Mission Impossible movie. It's awesome. And uh, we have a lot of fun. There's a, a great run of jokes towards the climax of the movie that um, is really great. And I'm really proud of it. But with that in mind, I want to introduce our panel. Of course, I have my two illustrious co-hosts on the show, Jerome Chang, celebrating Canada Day. Jerome, yes, how are you? I, I'm doing well. Thank you for filling in. I wasn't even sure if I was going to make it at all, but uh, I caught some time in between uh, patios to say what's up. Wow, that's just unbelievable <laughs> brag, just talking about multiple patios. That's a good day when you're on more than one patio in one day. Anyway, also joining us, the great Anthony Canton III. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to talk about this episode. Some things was happening. Some things was happening. Some things was happening indeed. And to help us talk about those things, we have two guests. You, they've been on the show before. No Kangs, though. Just things. No Kangs yet. No Kangs. Just things. <laughs> They were actually on the first episode of our Loki pod and brought him back to check back in. We have uh, a wonderful friend of the show. Uh, they're kicking you know off her. our second half. They're, they're back for the second half. You right, always come back with your starters for the second half. That's how it works. That is true. <laughs> that is true. We have, you know, her from the Wad Not Need Fund and from just being great on Twitter and Twitch and all those things. Shivani Banfal, Shiv, how are you? I'm great. Uh, you guys are always so kind. And um, I just have to say, it's so much fun being on the Patreon and in the Discord with everyone. So shout out oh, all of we you. Appreciate it you really, guys. honestly, especially, I'll say this, I'm so happy that so much of the, not so much, but that it's been about, I think, two weeks and there's still every other day a conversation go, relitigating the daddy's pod, which is makes me happier than anything in the world. Um, <laughs> shouts to Wong, daddy. Uh, anyway, yes, also Wong joining daddy. us, um, another friend of the show, you know him from writing for Murphy's, Murphy's Multiverse. And um, I should have had it in front of me, but he can tell you the name of his Jets pod, which I don't want to butcher, so I'll let him say it. Dalbin Osorio. Dalbin, how are you? Jake, it is always a pleasure to rock with you guys. Uh, I would love to shout out the Discord, but I got I was not invited to the cookout. I'm very upset about that. Well, you should have been automatically invited when you joined for pa the Patreon. I should have. And you guys, I will say, you guys are one of three Patreons I subscribe to. I don't wow. subscribe to any other ones. Lessons. The rest of them Thank are trash. You, <laughs> I you appreciate guys, that. I, I love I, I, you guys. I will. I will say I'll look into the Discord because you should have gotten one automatically. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, you in there. Yeah. You gotta get uh, there's no yeah. reason. No, why no, no worries, no worries at all. But I, I was saying like you guys are one of three Patreons I subscribe to. All the other ones are trash. Like, mm -hmm. and I love the fact that you guys are going through the Spider-Man series. Like, I love that. It's it makes me laugh so much. Um, and the the Turn on the Jets podcast is draft season, so I handle all of our draft coverage. Uh, which you know, to Anthony and Jake's hope and mine we don't have to do a lot of because maybe we oh. finally got it right okay. uh and i'm a big shiv fan i shiv for shiv you see me mm -hmm. put yeah. three times hey. since episode one uh, i love jerome and i love his dad his dad the rolex oh. king the drip the drip god king uh, honestly, i'm just super pumped to be back Much with you i i you're right you do come back with your starters in the second half and we are barreling towards kang baby we are barreling oh, towards let's go. I am so let's go. 
So I'm glad to be back with you guys. <laughs> yes, so we are barreling towards Kang, but that is not where we start this episode. And I want to get Jerome's general thoughts on the episode before, because like he can leave at any moment. You know, what I mean, it could happen at any. <laughs> he gets snapped away right at fast. any moment. But right, um, right. pruned. You know, yes, exactly. Yeah, you get pruned at any moment. And so before the pruning, Jerome, how did you feel about uh, the vibe of this episode? In because you know, mm-hmm. coming back to Mobius, all the things that happened. Um, I mean, it's uh, the post credits gave me hope, but it was an emotional roller coaster that led me to thinking, did I really lose my favorite new character in Mobius? Uh, it was no, it, it was a really good episode. I had such a fun time watching. Um, so much happens like this is uh, like for any of us, any, any of the listeners who felt that way. And definitely some of us who were talking about it on the last episode who thought, you know, we took a pause. Boy, you know, like if you want to talk about second half, they came in like they were trying to close out a big lead. Like they were on the comeback. It was huge. So, um, oh my gosh, uh, everything's happening. And we we haven't even talked, like you don't even really see anything yet about, you know, the timeline. And like they haven't addressed that yet. The timeline mm-hmm. is supposed to be in disarray right now. Like all we are worried about is in this current like very focused moment of – um of our low keys uh, doing their thing. And um, no, it, it was a really fun episode. Uh, and if it, if I thought like it was already fun enough, they gave us the post credits and I'm just like, where the fuck are we going? This is amazing. Absolutely. Um, I felt the same way. Uh, and look, um, some general thoughts from uh, Shiv and Dalbine. Shiv, you can go first. Um, just how you felt this came off of the last episode because Jerome is right that there's such a contrast in tone and pace. It's it's so different. And it definitely was. You, th- I thought the last episode um, was the more emotional one, but this one definitely pulls out your emotions far, like far more. Um, and like we, there's so many different little tidbits that we get in this episode in different places. So it goes back to that details thing where they're just throwing in details of the future of the mcu and what is to come so um very exciting things i was a little dead inside because i didn't actually know about the post credits uh um scene for a second and then of course thank you to the discord and springthorpe who brought it to my attention that i should continue to watch i went back and watched and i was like oh okay i'm okay now so (laughs) yeah dalbean how did you feel about the uh all all the goings on that happened in this 48 minute package all the goings on so i i you know i i think you guys know this i think i've shared this with you guys i'm a big game of thrones fan right and game of thrones set the standard for what the penultimate episode usually is right like the ninth episode of the season was always where things went off the rails right like you get john snow's reveal you know you 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 daenerys rides off with the dragons and frees the unsullied like that usually happened in the second to last episode right like hard home all that stuff the mcu disney plus shows have been interesting because they've kind of followed a you have a middle episode where you kind of they give you a chance to recoup right and kind of and kind of set yourself up and then that fourth episode or in the in falcon and winter soldier and in wandavision that fifth episode is usually when you you get hit in the field so right from the beginning we see what happens to lady loki as a kid in asgard right like and they set the standard right away like listen hold on because we're about to go for a ride here right and you guys have said this in episode two of this pod you said that 
that what you guys, I, I think it might've been you, Anthony, that said it, that what you like about this is that we may know where we're going, but we don't know how we're going to get there. And I think this That's episode a great point. in particular, yeah. yeah, I think this episode in particular, just, I think it, it, it confirmed every theory I had before this, this started, but I didn't know that I, I one, I didn't know I was going to feel something for Lady Loki like that, right? Like, I didn't think I was going to feel sorry for her. I think two, Mobius, right? When Mobius tells when Mobius tells Loki, no, you cut it out, right? Big wedding crasher vibes. All I needed was a Vince Vaughn cameo. Like you cut it out or whatever. But I think it was by far the most uh the most tight episode, the 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 most well-rounded episode from beginning to end. Because I did feel the last episode it moved a little slow, but now I know that they were just trying to lull us into this false sense of security before blowing the doors off. So I'm excited to see how they stick the landing these last two episodes. And AC, how did you feel about um, the change in pace? And I think also uh, Dubbing brings up a good point of how things are kind of falling into place the way that we thought they would. And But how are they doing it? Are they doing it in a satisfying way or is it feeling too easy? No, I mean, to me, I feel like the execution of this show from the start has been pretty, pretty good. Like, I, I don't really have any real complaints to this point. And that's why I said last week, I didn't mind the... I didn't mind the pause because of the way that we got so much exposition in the first two episodes about the plot and everything that was supposed to happen there. Um, this episode to me in particular, I think is just, it's just a, it's a mix of what the first three episodes were, where we have the story stuff, we have the emotion stuff with, with this, this uh, relationship, this quote unquote romance as Mobius uh, points out to Loki about him and Sylvie. That uh, that's fascinating, and I think more so than anything, we learn we learn a lot more about uh, Ravona and her motivations, and the TVA getting torn apart. Like this is not this is not what we thought it was, and clearly there's something else behind it. So I thought overall, like, and, and obviously the the Jamie Alexander uh, cameo, Lady Sif back, Return of so, Sif, yeah. So like that was um, Revenge of the yeah, Sith. Like, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> wow <laughs> oh and by the way we we're not getting any owen wilson wows but we're getting some hows in in, uh, in, in this episode yes so. i saw that my sprinter pointed that out on twitter and i think he's absolutely right that it's just it's the same thing yes wow wow um but yeah, but yeah I, it was good I, it was very good i agree wholeheartedly um with that the whole assessment and i think that in hindsight, last episode was incredibly necessary because as Shiv mentioned, how she was kind of surprised by how she felt for Lady Loki. That doesn't happen if you don't have the episode where they just get to talk for a while, you know? Um, that you that you really humanized her as a character and even more so humanized this version of Loki as a character so that the emotional stakes worked. Because I think that that's also always a thing when, and I've talked about it before in this podcast, that I think big budget entertainment has become way too concerned about being surprising and less concerned about actually executing interesting stories. Um, and I think that if you can make something emotionally pay off, it doesn't really matter if the general direction of the story is kind of where you thought it was going to go because the things you don't expect are the emotions. Like, yeah, you could have expected that they were going to find out that the TVA was a sham, et cetera, et cetera, but you didn't expect how much you'd feel for Sylvie or how real Sylvie and Loki's relationship would be. And those are the things that can be surprising. I think that a good writer and good write and confident writing is confident that those reveals will be impactful enough to not need to have 
everything be flipped on its head in order for you to still enjoy it, you know? Um, and so I really, really appreciated how they did that. And I also appreciate that they do fall in love because I believe that there was one person on this podcast who would be me who said that late Loki would fall in love with Lady Loki when before we even knew Lady Loki existed. So, you know. You did. Um, to piggyback on that, I think a lot of people thought that WandaVision would be like the only series that would be the emotional series that covered like emotions and stuff like that. So then to get this um, really deep and depth that we had talked about actually in that first episode for this pod um, um, to get that depth from Loki is just amazing because we thought we saw so much of them. Right. So just to, to get all of that emotional um, big budget is great. So at that point, I think, because Shiv, I think you're spot on. I think, I remember when we when we met after the first episode, like we talked about just what the different themes that could be explored during these first three Disney Plus shows, right? And WandaVision dealt with a lot of grief, right? Wanda had to see Vision die twice in front of, she had to kill him, see him die in front of her, see him resurrected. They wouldn't give her the body, like all this stuff, right? And then Falcon and Winter Soldier dealt with, you know, just these these real deep-rooted like america experimenting on black soldiers and sam what does it mean to be a black man in this marvel universe right uh which isn't something that's often talked about right like in in these kind of superhero movies and then now you have loki who and again i remember thinking i was like well it's 2012 loki why would i care about 2012 loki like he ends up getting his neck snapped anyway by thanos so really but I, I agree with, I found myself caring about the fact that like, yo man, like he even turns to Sylvie at one point and he says, do you, th-? no, Sylvie says to him, do you think the destiny of the Lokis is for us to fail? And that's a heartbreaking line, man, because like, imagine like you're the person always living in your sibling shadow. You're the person, you're the one that they adopted. You're the one that they didn't want, you know, and they saved you from a frozen rock like Odin tells him in Thor. And here it is. All you wanted to do was make your mom proud because we know his relationship with Frigga is what drives Loki in a lot of this, right? And him finding out early on that it was his fault that the Dark Elf killed Frigga, right? And then now he's like, listen, now I got to save Sylvie. I can't let them take her or whatever. Look what they did to her. It feels earned. And I I just finished rewatching Orange is the New Black. I'm a big Orange is the New Black fan. And (laughs) I've always felt like, and Jake, you nailed it. If the writing is confident, the the moments feel earned. Too often, and this is, I think, DC's issue with a lot of their movies, none of it feels earned. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like, I'm like, oh, man, Batman's random people, who cares? It's all about the execution. Right, it's about the execution and these moments feel earned. I felt, I genuinely felt bad for Loki, man. Like, I'm like, you know, and and also like, you know, Shiv, I'm sure you can attest to this, you know, as a attractive lady, you can love yourself and Loki loves himself. You know what I mean? He sees Lady Loki and he's like, you are me. I love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was dope too. It felt very earned. Um, I mean, I, at the same time, okay. So I think, you know, how Mobius goes into like, uh, Loki fell in love with himself and like, it's the most narcissistic thing ever. I actually mm-hmm. think there's more depth to that too, is that like there was Loki and Sylvia were both able to find peace in that moment. And then they were also able to like, see that they're not alone or resent themselves or like hate themselves because like Loki's biggest thing is he hates himself a little bit. Right. Right. So, um, that was like a huge thing. And I think that's the whole thing. It's not that they're narcissistic and falling in love with themselves is just that it's that big pinnacle moment where loki actually can love like you're saying and the and the other thing real quick is is also with mobius i felt bad for him right because and again that was real too right like imagine you giving so much of yourself 
talking about and religion. finding out that it and finding out it was a facade like you know like i and and there was there, there's something to be said for a guy like even when when he when loki tells him they're lying to you and you see like his face he's like is it a trick i don't know and and it's this it's like the glass shattering effect right like when somebody tells you like oh you know steph curry's not really that good and then you realize they're stupid like you're like okay the glass shattering effect you're a moron <laughs> like with that i felt that for mobius like i was like man i was like you 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 fell for it and and it hurts to see you fall for it so it was his like this episode was mobius's unlearning because we actually took a break from mobius for a whole episode and over the course of that time, there was legitimate growth for Loki. So where they were basically on the same ground in the first two episodes, and you see, you know, not only does Mobius have Loki figured out completely, but he's ahead of him. It's this thing where, you know, it's just like, imagine, you know, you say you have that friend, you both go to like, diff, you move to different towns, or you go to different universe, and you come back and you're like, Oh, this isn't my same idiot friend from high school. This is like a grown ass adult now. And <laughs> so there's this level where you like you just see Mobius in real time, really readjust to what's going on and understanding like my friend's not a shithead anymore. Yeah. Also, I just want to real quickly before you go, Jake, a big shout out to Wumi Masaku for her performance in this episode. Very uh understated, like the same thing as we talk about on learning stuff. Hunter B15 is another one of these people who dedicated to the TVA, all about that TVA life and finding out that it's all bullshit is like, it's a real thing. And I think the way that those emotions were conveyed throughout this episode was very, very impressive. Yeah. And, and I think that it was done so well because the way, especially with 100B15, the, I like that they played it as confusion as opposed to like immediate indignance. Cause I think that too many times when like someone has like an earth shattering realization in a film or TV, they immediately get angry and start throwing shit. But like in real life, if you have something like that happen to you, you are don't you don't know what to do and you're kind of stuck and you just, she's kind of broken because also she doesn't know really what happened, you know. And mm -hmm. I think that um, it was just also so everyone's playing it in a way that like there's this thing that they feel something is up, but they also just accept it and then now that there is some like a flag and something going off like they're just going on yeah. a deep dive yeah but sorry and, and, I and your it's because the, the thing i was thinking about is how because i was thinking about like could you criticize this for like mobius being disenchanted too quickly or whatever which i think is incorrect for this reason because it's like the only reason why mobius believes that he was created by the tva is because there's no alternative to it exactly you know what i mean and like in the same way that the reason why the greeks thought that high tide was because of poseidon if you would have it's not like if you would have explained the thing about the moon's gravity they would have been like no it is poseidon i swear like it's really it's even because he, there's like, no other explanation. i grew up in catholic school all my life through high school and then suddenly i went to a university where there was more than one point of view mm -hmm. exactly and 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 so i thought it was really interesting and i love what you say about growth with loki because you do see mobius having to like readjust where it's like oh wait maybe he actually does have something to say maybe he has um information that's interesting and important and i just want to talk about where we start off the episode we start off back on lamentous one and um and, but we're cutting back and forth between that and the tva because they're basically trying to find loki and sylvie and there's a very interesting moment where they're trying that they basically are out of the options there's no uh my theory about loki actually having a uh whatever pad a teleportation pad that worked was wrong whatever but, um, and they're looking for spikes in uh, the timeline and we don't really have an explanation to it now, but when 
Loki and Sylvie like start to, you know, hold each other's hands and get close to each other. There's a massive spike. Um, and so then the TV obviously gets them. I thought that was really interesting. And I like how it's kind of unsolved um, because I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm a fan of any time where love is turned into like a f- metaphysical representation and something I always like, but how did you feel about the way that that's how they got off of it? Cause we were talking last episode about how we didn't want it to be a cheap reason that they got off of it. AC, I'll start with you. No, I think, I think the main thing about the relationship and you guys all kind of hit the nail on the head. You kind of have to sell it to us for, for a bit before we get that understanding, because I know there were a few people online who weren't exactly happy about the idea that this is like a semi-romantic thing uh, as they're, as they're trying to frame it. But I mean, for me, just just personally, as I as I watch this episode, and this is why you have an episode like episode three. You can go back to that and be like, "This is why," and this is these people don't these people have had difficulty trying to not only understand other people but understand themselves. So when you meet so when you meet somebody who's similar in a way, but also you have differences too, you're able to have those that have a conversation like they did, and it kind of translates further, and then add a whole "you're about to die" scenario into the to the mix, and people are a lot more willing to be honest with themselves, and I think that was a great moment. And so, what did anyone could take this? What do you think this the spike in the timeline was? Because if the whole planet was going to get destroyed how could that have like caused a crazy spike in the timeline? Obviously that's an answer we're going to get, but I thought that, that was interesting because if every, up until then there was nothing happening, but when they started to like have a love, they started looking to other romantically. Basically what's implied is that if the TVA didn't show up, they somehow would get off of the planet because clearly they caused a massive spike. So I'm curious, do you have any theories, anyone as to what that could have been? I mean, for me, it, it goes back to like what Dalvin was saying of just like the, the line of Loki's aren't supposed to win. And in this case, it's and winning is finding that piece I was talking about, finding that love, um, finding they're they're winning in the sense that they finally found a place in the universe that they think they're supposed to exist. Like Loki is not supposed to have that that story. Um, I think that's to, how I see it. Yeah, I think that I think too also if we look at and if we look at the history of the MCU, right? Star-Lord was saved by Yandu's love for him, right? Like he was in space, he could have died right after Ego washed him, but Yandu's love saved him. Uh, Iron Man, right? You know, war criminal that he is, was saved by the love that Pepper had for him, right? Tone, uh, Cap went back in time to get the love. And, and I think, the, again, the line from WandaVision, what is love if not grief persevering, right? And I think that, I think in, I think, and again, it's cheesy, right? And it's Disney, but it's also kind of dope because in the last year, right, there's been like this insane amount of loss and, you know, and all we've been stuck at home and all that stuff. And you, I remember falling in love with movies who, again, didn't use love as a crutch, but more like this, like, like, listen, I can quantify it for you. Like, this yeah. is the exact moment where these two Almost characters like fell in love. Right, right. And I think, I think, you know, to your point, AC, about going back to episode three, there's moments where, you could see like Sylvie's trying to figure out like, well, why, why did they let you live longer than I did? Right. Like I got taken and we found out like she got taken as a kid. This Loki was allowed to live until, you know, until Thanos killed him. Right. Like realistically, like if he had just stuck to the timeline, he would have died yeah. much later. Um, There's a lot of this, like, there's a lot of seeing each other amongst themselves. Right. Like she, she even says it in this episode that she found, she lived where, where everybody died. That's where she found a way to survive from the TVA. That is 
sad as hell, right? Mm -hmm. And the one person that brings her some sense of peace, like Shiv said, is this version of her that was allowed to live longer. And it reminds me of that WandaVision quote, man. Like, I think, you know, that's going to go up there with some Drake lines when Drake finally decides to drop his next album. We're going to put that on Instagram, Caxons. Because I think I think that's a powerful thing, and it's a powerful part of the MCU as a whole. It's that love for each other. Cap and Tony, they fell out because they loved each other. Because Tony even says to them, you were my, you know, so was I. I was your friend, too. They genuinely loved each other. And so I think there's, there's love is the theme for the MCU. And it, and I think it's, I think it's pretty cool to see yeah. it in a nerd-like medium that we get to I'll say this anyone who doesn't think uh, I, anyone who thinks that stories where the moral ends up being that like love is good and important who thinks they're cheesy can go right yeah, yeah. Like, I just, yeah. Like, the, the most powerful thing that humans do as people like the most the thing that makes humans remarkable as a species is our capability of love and respect and all that so like I I did I, I and I'm not it's not a straw man I'm there's a lot of people like oh it's yeah. so cheesy like I can't believe that that's always like no yeah love is really important like that's that's really what separates us I, from other I guess animals. my only thing Jinx, about that snaps, yeah. snaps all of it in terms of like just asking what is going on there is if we're i don't think they're going to answer it this way but if we're led to believe that some if not all of the tva is kind of bullshit what exactly are they measuring oh that's a good point they could like be what exactly like what is this anything. bar that's going on what is it coming off of um what is it is it something that they're controlling because there really is a need to control or is it that they want to control it um like what exactly is going on on that end, like I, I think I'm gonna need Rapona to give us answers next episode. Like. So I was sure, gonna, so sure, I was gonna, sure. say, so I was, gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say that I think. So I think it's twofold, right? I think one, and we learned this in Wandavision, right? Nexus events, right? Like events yeah. that jack up the timeline, and we hear that word at least three times in this episode. Nexus event, Nexus event. So That's what the episode's called. The episode's right. called that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so, so I think, I think it ties into that. I also think, like you know, and I again, like you know, AC and I talked about Kang six months ago six months yes. ago there is no tva it is kang it is him <laughs> it is him like his lady has been shepherding the these people right pruning right. people for him i think that i think that the control part is him right and i think that's going to be what we find out and i think the nexus events jack up his plan Right. So one of throw her kids jacks up his plan. Right. Like the, these things yeah. are not supposed to be happening. And and I think that's what I think that's where we're I think that's what we're leading towards. So, Dalvin, I want to throw this at you because I, I was reading some Kang comics over the over the last weekend before this episode came on. And I was thinking, like, we got the whole we got the whole Amortis scenario there, too. So I almost wonder we're not going to see this here in my estimation. But it's just you have the older version of Kang in the Mortis, and then there's and uh, what is it? The Council of Kangs. Yeah. It's almost kind of it's it's almost kind of similar as to what we're getting here with the with all these right. Lokis here. Right. So right. I'm wondering if the if those storylines will uh, converge in their own type of way. So uh, so I'm very excited to see. But I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. What do you think of a possible a um, uh, scenario in the future? So and. You know, I'll say this for for most of your listeners, for folks who aren't familiar with Kang, right? Like, like, you know, Kang is even more of a threat than Thanos, right? In, in terms of just the Marvel villains, like just because of how he, you know, 
fucks up time, right? And 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 all that. Like I've been, I've said this repeatedly that he's gonna show up in Ant Man and kill Paul Rudd, and nobody wants Paul Rudd to die, but his time on this on this earth is limited. <laughs> it's limited, right? <laughs> That's just a really disrespectful thing for you. It, wait, wait, yeah, like why would you put that emotion yeah. listen, on man, us right now? Listen, man, it, it, I I like Mike Hannigan. It's, it's not you. I, it's not you. At that point, it just makes me think about how that affects his ranking on the daddy's list. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, honestly, so I, I will say this. In my experience, as you know, as I used to be involved in the rap game, if you die, you usually that bumps you up a little bit. So I think that right, is right, right, right. That post death, you know, he's going to be the Tupac of this. I think he's going to get the yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but to your point, AC, I think so. I think I think I think this is laying the groundwork for that. I think that mm-hmm. I think that. Once we saw Wanda looking for her kids, right, and sitting in the, in that cabin, which has now been edited, right, and and fixed, and, and you know, yeah. and you know, you see, you possibly Doctor Strange floating towards the cabin and all that. That's a Nexus event that's fucking up the timeline. But you have her kids. Her kids are connect and and Agatha, who she left in New Jersey, which nobody really likes New Jersey, so I think it made sense for her to be loved. Yeah, there. she her she's actually neighbors with Eric Adams, right? Exactly, now. right? Exactly. Thank you, Jake. You get it. You understand. But um. You, you, she's connected to Nathaniel Richards, right? Reed Richards' son, right? So, so I, I just, I think that there's so much more there that even though we know that, okay, this is going to lead to the introduction of the Kang that we know, right? The Kang that's going right. around like rectifying stuff. I think it is very possible we get multiple variations because they have, and we'll get to the end credit scene in a second, but they've played with this idea in this one in particular. And I think this solidified it of multiple variants, right? And Immortus can be introduced as a variant, right? Like as a Kang who went off the rails before. And now this Kang thinks he's trying to make it right or vice versa or whatever the case may be. I think there's just so many different ways they can go. I'm pumped, man. Right now, this is my playhouse. This is like, I'm (laughs) just like, I'm eating all of this up, man. Like for like like, a couple years now, I've been waiting for this. We haven't even tapped into wherever the fuck everyone is in that post credit scene. Like, he, well, just everything's off the table at this point. Well, and before you go there, like, we also got confirmation that vampires exist. <laughs> yes, I was about to say. Okay, wait. Yes, vampires exist. Mobius told us. Um, But just to build on the Kang stuff, so, like, it could... Yeah. And if we're going in the comics, like, it could totally be, like, Prime Kang going up against Immortus, right? So, like, mm. Prime Kang and Nexus events could actually just be, like... Kang trying to get rid of other kings, so like stopping the existence of all those variants. So yeah, that's what Immortus yeah. was trying to do. Yeah, like that, in that in that book I was reading, him and Kang were going at it, and it's and funny he, watching, and, the, and what the going at it. it was well, cool. and you have that that point too, right? Like where where folks forget, like everybody thinks that like he went crazy and he was all bad. Like Iron Lad was trying to rectify the timeline. That's what he was. He was trying to straighten it out so the Avengers could live. Like he wasn't trying to. He was trying to get one over. In fact, he ends up sacrificing himself. In order, in order to make it happen right. so i and and there's something compelling and jonathan majors is 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 the man right like he crushed lovecraft country he's the man i'm excited to see him play him but i'm excited to see how many variations of kang he plays because i i do think that there i do think even though we have a really good idea of where we're going i again it's in the execution and and That's right. one of the things that i think the disney plus shows have struggled a little bit with just a little bit is landing that plane right but i think that's in part because a lot of fans were expecting certain things right so in wandavision you're expecting mephisto and in in uh in in falcon and winter soldier you're expecting i don't know what because i thought the ending was fine but i don't know what you're expecting there but i, I am curious how they land the, how they land the bird so to speak these next two episodes but we got vampires which again was my biggest takeaway from this yeah, it was a throwaway line and i was like oh you sneaky, sneaky marvel. 
Um, but and I, and I think that I have more confidence in them, the ability to land the plane here because I think with one division, I think the problem was like partially just because it was they bit off a lot more they can chew, but also I think COVID really hurt them um, mm-hmm. in that. And then I think with Falcon and the Soldier, I think they also bit off more than they could chew. But in that case, I don't have much sympathy for them because they, Loki also has no setup. Yeah, that is that's a good point too. That there's not really that there's not something that has. Whereas with the other two, there was a question that had to be answered by the end of it. And this, there isn't one that needs to be answered by the end right. of it. Um, and so that I think gives them more leeway to answer what they need to answer and not answer what they don't need to answer. Now, just going along, cause I want to talk a little bit about some of the specifics of what goes on. Obviously Sylvie and Loki get dragged in. Um, Sylvie gets sequestered away. Loki gets sequestered away, not, but not before he tells Mobius that the TV is lying, which obviously, you know, puts a little seed in his brain, a little inception, but then Loki goes to his prison, which um, is not a prison at all. It is a time loop of uh, a bad memory. It's actually felt very similar to what hell is represented in the not that good, but very watchable show Lucifer on Fox slash Netflix, where hell is your worst memory over and over and over again. Um, And uh, yeah, it's in this case, it is Sif played by Jamie Alexander, because I think blind spot is canceled or maybe she was just on break, uh, (laughs) punching him in the face and name in the balls. Um, And I thought it was a really fun scene and a fun way to use time. Um, We thought Dormammu had it bad. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was a good scene yes i really um, enjoyed that it was good to see her yeah uh how did everyone feel about seeing sif again especially you know because i feel like she's a character that the first two thor movies didn't do that good by and so i hope that um i hope there's more for her in store because i think she deserves i hope love and thunder she'll be in there she's definitely gonna probably be in love and thunder oh no she she is yeah yeah I think it was a good transition back because, like you said, she was underserved early on, even though, obviously, to comic book fans, uh, she is a prominent character, definitely in the Thor uh, universe of things. So it's kind of just like it helps um, the people who know her and wanted her to be a bigger part of it to be like, oh, great, she's back. But then other people to just be like, oh, yeah, there's that like person who's coming into it. And it's done in a memorable scene um, and we'll. And then, like, you know, when we get to, like, a Love and Thunder and uh, assuming she is involved, like, there wouldn't, like, we won't have the moment we had here where we're like, oh, yeah, Lady Sif. Yeah. And and I think it really is helped by, because I think so much of the reason she's underserved in the first two Thors is because she's almost exclusively played just to be jealous or covetous of Thor. And I think that. I imagine that that's not going to be at play in Love of Thunder. And obviously Thor is not in this scene at all. And so like, it's like, oh, it, it kind of felt weird. It's like, oh, this is the first time we've seen Sif exist, not just in relation to Thor. And um, it's very fun. And of course, I do love that the thing that she's mad at him about is the most juvenile of all pranks, which is, of course, pulling a girl's hair. Um, anyone here pull a girl's hair? No, I didn't. Um, anyone? Bueller? I wasn't. No. Yeah. If you no, pull no. a girl's hair... Um, no, I know. Don't yeah, that, do that. That definitely was. I'm like that mad in cartoons. <laughs> that happened I mean, in cartoons. I think a lot more than real. Life. Loki did the Asgardian version of but snatching the wind. I was about to say, isn't that an actual <laughs> Norse myth of like that's like a big story of like Loki messes with Lady Sif's hair in oh, Norse mythology? Well, yeah, that's like an actual than I am, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think too it's it's possible that because she she is she is going to be in Love and Thunder I think it's possible she becomes the new queen of Asgard I think I think that's I think that's her role because I I, I agree with you Jake I, she I mean she was played literally to just be there and be jealous of of 
you know of, of jane foster right but now like we're getting jane becoming you know the mighty thor right uh but valkyrie also needs a queen right and she said that at comic-con uh it says the thompson said it at comic-con right. and, and i think i think it could i think that could be sif so, i think i think it could be her so i have to, i found a reference to the myth in the myth uh you're right shiv uh 500 points for, I don't know if the points would mean anything, but uh, <laughs> Loki apparently as a prank cut Sif's What's your hair. house in Harry Potter? You get 500 yes, points to that uh, house. Five, 500 points Ravenclaw, I'm assuming, right? But I, am I wrong? No? Yeah, I think I am okay. at Ravenclaw. Okay. Good job. I, oh, I mean, I, I assumed you I took just test. took I, a test today and yeah. I found out I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm Ravenclaw. Wow. Shouts to Hufflepuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that uh, she cut he cuts her hair and Thor, who's of course uh, Sif's um, husband in Norse mythology, uh, threatens to beat Loki um, if he can't replace her hair. So that makes him create a wig out of gold for Sif. So um, it's good Norse mythology. Honestly, incredibly tame for Norse mythology. The fact that no one turned into another animal and no one had sex with anyone <laughs> is like a real miracle. Right, right. Speaking of animals, do we go into the end credit scene? Now? I mean, we if we want to, but I was just going to quickly do some other stuff. But <laughs> uh, and so yeah, that and so we also get the note from. We all agree Bona. it was the crocodile that was talking off screen. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, yeah okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, but anyway, that uh, Ravona tells Mobius that C twenty died. Um, which you would know immediately know that's bullshit. Like even Mobius knows this bullshit. Every viewer knows this bullshit. Um, and I think that that's. Oh, oh Jake, I forgot who's Ravona played by again. Oh, goo goo. Um, <laughs> it never gets you. old. And uh, I really appreciate like that though because it's it makes it very clear to the audience and it's more importantly Mobius that like very early in the episode Mobius has the inkling of like okay Ravona is not on the level like if there is a lie happening Ravona is in on it it's not that I'm not going to run to Ravona and say Loki said this is all a lie because clearly if there is a lie she's part of it right right I think and I think that was that was actually well played and I also like that they're not trying to disguise it either and I think that's where was something that I talked about in I think it was episode one where we're talking about the simplicity sometimes simplicity is is just as good as anything else you don't have to make it too complicated we kind of have an idea that she's behind stuff the way that she's been talking about the timekeepers and preserving the sacred timeline and all this other stuff ironically um, we thought falcon and the winter soldier was going to be our simplicity break and it's actually loki <laughs> I, I i know that is kind of crazy when you think about it but uh but but yeah like for to just kind of see that, and that's again uh, a testament to the execution of the storyline, you know, where you you clearly know that she's lying, and then Mobius is slowly like unraveling things, not only from what she's saying, but unraveling things in his own mind because he doesn't want to believe it at first. Of course not. So then we get the scene where uh, Mobius takes Loki out of his prison, um, and starts talking to him. Basically, he does. He wants to talk to both Loki and Sylvie because I assume he wants to do the prisoner's dilemma, which is always great. But he tells Loki that Sylvie's been pruned. And um, boy, does he have a bad poker face. He really yes. is. <laughs> I thought I was bad at poker. Um, somehow Loki, the god of mischief, is it's, it's truly like when I was in seventh grade and my friends were telling me on Xbox Live that I had a crush on a girl. And I said, no, I don't. What are you talking about? I mean, like, who is that? I've never met her before. You know, that type of thing. Um, and he's clearly really distraught. Mm. And um, if anything, this is all telling us how gullible Asgard is. That period. is a good point. Yes. 
Like I, I think we've confirmed everything. that Loki, like he is a trickster, but is he that good? You know, and then like <laughs> he's just going around like in a room full of, I guess, just anyone else not from Asgard. It's like we don't believe your bullshit. Like even if they have all the files on him, it is pretty funny to see that like his he's just laid bare at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the number one way that people who lie a lot get away with lying is that they lie in situations where people just assume they won't be lying. Like, and, and that's why I think when he ever actually pulled Loki to anything, he always unravels because if you're, because in 90% of your interactions on a daily basis, it never comes across to you that the other person you're talking to is lying. You know what I mean? If you go to Starbucks and you talk to the cashier, you're not like, this person's not telling me the truth. And I think that Loki takes advantage of that because on a, he just lies when when you would never think anyone. You mean would. when I always order my drink here for a Jake Christie? Like they, they just don't realize. Yeah, okay. That's real. I mean, you gotta stop doing that. People are gonna start <laughs> thinking that I'm a big coffee guy. Um, Everyone in Toronto thinks you're really into oat milk. Oh, I just, I that just I, that honestly, I don't know what the laws are in Canada, but that's la- that's slanderous and libelous, and I'm gonna take you to, to court. Um, but anyway, uh, and this is when when you know Loki finally gets. Frustrated, just tells uh, Mobius what he meant by the TVA's lying, where he says that the TVA didn't create you, you're all variants. Um, and I think I like the way that Owen Wilson plays this because, like everything, like because the memories are still in his brain, it's not like this is like there's clearly kernel of something that there's it rings true to him for some reason. In the same way that like the reason he said that the TVA created him is because he didn't know any different. But like the fact that he could be a variant is much more plausible than the TVA created him because the TVA what they have uh, freaking magical powers to create beings. And so, right. but and I also I really like that it's not immediately like okay let's go let's stop them. It's like no you're you know what you're talking about. I'm gonna send you back in the chamber because that's how people act when they get told stuff they don't hear. Yeah, sometimes the truth is the hardest thing to to get. And I thought that, and, and that's the thing, like when Mobius and Loki are having that conversation in episode two about religion and basically the TVA is like, it's the gold standard. It just reminds me of of Catholics and, and any anybody who have their who has their faith. Like with, with your faith, you're, it's unshakable in a lot of ways, um, no matter like regardless of what kind of crazy stuff might be going on there. But... Uh, to, uh, you need you need that visual confirmation. You need that little you need that little kernel of stuff. And Loki was able to provide that for him, yes. but it was perfectly understandable to see why Mobius uh, started that way at first. Yes, although I will say from experience of living in both New York and Florida, I know a lot more ex-Catholics than I do ex-Baptists and other like Catholics. Although they're the most like formal and traditional, are definitely the most likely to stop being Catholic. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, and so. We go then to the scene with um, uh, B-15 where, you know, like, like you mentioned, she's playing it like super well and she goes to see Sylvie. And I just love Sophia DiMartino, her like vibe when she walks in is so perfect because she's just like, whereas Loki's trying to like, she's trying to play it cool. She just legit is just like, what? What are you fucking going to do to me? Clearly I mean, is a superior <laughs> Loki. Yeah. Yes. Without question. Um, and yeah, so just the vibes that she gives off are great. And then they go back to, uh, to the rocks. What is it? Rocks cart. Um, and, uh, we get a scene where, um, it's in the rain for some reason. Uh, well, not for some reason, but it's just the funny. They're standing in the rain, <laughs> but, um, Shiv, I have a question. Cause I felt, I really like this about it, but I want to, how do you feel about the fact that they, whereas in last episode, when they had uh c20's memory they showed that in this they just showed b15 reacting to the memory 
That was actually something that I thought about a lot um, when I was watching. I was like, oh, are we going to actually see B-15's um, backstory? But then they didn't. And it pays off for what we see in the rest of the episode. Um, we don't necessarily need to see her her background We in production-wise. Um, we, we get to see just the emotion through what she's experiencing, you know, as an actor. And that's cool because we can just see that range. And we, we generally never see Black women given the opportunity to have that range, which is an amazing opportunity, too. So I really enjoyed it. Um, I think a lot of people would be like, I want more special effects and to see like her backstory, but you don't need it because you're getting a whole other thing, which is just as magical if you yeah. give, you know, give the opportunity to, to realize it. And it also, I think, and I'll go to Debbie in a second, but I think that also focuses what's important. Because, like, if you show what happened, then the details of her life seem important, and that's not. The thing that's important is that she had a life, period. Like, what that life was doesn't actually matter. Um, Debbie, how did you feel about that scene and how... Um, how that interaction happened. Cause I thought that it was very, um, it was, I think it was kind of moving the way that like, I think Sylvie almost didn't even know how to handle it because she's so used to not having interactions like this with people. Well, and in episode three, she tells Loki when Loki's like, Oh, enchantment, that's a nice trick. And she's, uh, and she's explaining to him. She's like, I need, they, I need, I need to uh, pick on a memory that they've had. Right. And so I think, first of all, I think, I think Sophia has crushed it this entire season as, as lady Loki. I think that she has been, I think that really the the TV shows, the medium of, of a TV show like this, where it's 45 minutes to an hour and it's six episodes, eight episodes, I think gives you the opportunity to really show some character range, right? And I think the difference, you know, between Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier is that I haven't felt that anybody's been shortchanged in Loki. Like, oh, you know, you're not being given a chance to stretch your actor, actress wings. Mm -hmm. I think you've been able to, to do that. I think she's tapped into this deep pool of sadness, right? And... I think back to Age of Ultron when Wanda, you know, enchanted all the Avengers, right? When she played with their minds. And at one point, you know, like she she talks about how she could feel Stark's fear, right? And how that's how she knew what he was going to do. I wonder if, and I think, I think this kind of illuminates that a little bit. I think this just adds to Sylvie's sadness. The fact that she can feel these people and what they don't have anymore, right? Um, because, you know, you're talking about you know, and I, lo I, I love the fact that they showed it from from her perspective, from B-15's perspective, as opposed to going into the actual memory, because there's something heartbreaking about what the TVA, the TVA, I'm using air quotes, what the TVA has done to these variants, right? Like, because remember, like, she had a life on Earth, right? And she got taken from that. And, you know, so now you have Mobius. What life was he taken we, from? We don't know that it's Earth, though, do we? Well, she she says it in episode. Oh, wait, she, she says, says sorry. Yeah, thank she you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. She, says, she says she had a whole life. She was a waitress on Earth, right. you know, right? So like, you're taking these people and you're putting them in situ. You're taking them away from their lives. Like, so did Mobius have a kid, right? Did he leave like a family? Think about like Hawkeye's grief. Like Hawkeye's grief pushed him to become Ronin and start killing people, start killing you know my Asian homies for no reason other than just vengeance, right? Like because I, I should be mad at that, but it's still it's the haircut. I get it, man. I, you know, and, and I tell you this, him going full Ruby Rose was very surprising to me. But I was like, you know what, man, Jeremy Renner, do your thing. You're probably going to die in the Hawkeye show. So it's fine. But but I think I, I'm telling it just I think, <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think Sophia has absolutely just crushed it. Um, and I think her connection to the variants that she has enchanted, I think, has opened up this kind of new or this. Th th we wouldn't have gotten this 
had it not been through her, I think, right? Because had they played this in a way where she was just bad, just evil, right? It's just an evil variant, right? I don't think we get this opportunity with 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 the with the Minutemen and in, in, in the TVA. And I, I think it's it's been it's just added more depth to how sad it is that they feel both of them, both her and Loki, feel like their their destiny is to fail, is to lose. Uh, well, and I think I think adding into that, I think it was it was really nicely done. That's what's interesting about about uh, Sylvie is that in her in her instance, she's trying to do something different. Um, and it seems like even as even as a kid, she's trying to do something different. And that's why that's why they feel like, nah, you can't. This is not what your life is supposed yeah. to be. Um, well, and even not to, to, to that point, AC, think about like yeah. Loki, male Loki, his plan was just to be king that's all he wanted mobius interrogates mm -hmm. in the beginning it confirms that right he wanted to be king with sylvie right. sylvie didn't want a throne sylvie didn't, she didn't that's not what it was right like and and i think that i think that's hauntingly beautiful i think that that it wasn't she didn't do it for gain or to be the queen of asgard that you know she even said it. she's like was i just i would have been fine just being the queen of mischief like it would have been right. fine yeah Right, and I think, and, the, and, and I, I think just want to make go. one more point, Jake, before you go. Um, yeah, this is the the point about the execution and why it's so good. Is like we talk about, yeah, we don't need to do the 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 VFX scene and go back into somebody else's memories. They kind of gave us that example in episode three, so we don't have to do the repeat. So we just kind of understand it, and it and it keeps the show's pace going, and you don't feel like you're dragged into another elongated scene because that was the that I think that was the cold open of episode three just going into C20's memories and then you get this you already have an understanding and you can just go boom 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 and you, you can continue to go forward so I appreciated that they understood that themselves and just kept it moving and I think that this is a good segue into Sylvie's backstory which we see where that she's basically criminalized as a child which I think is such an important point that like Unlike Loki, who feels in some regards that like he the bad stuff that happens to him, he kind of brought on himself. She quite literally did nothing wrong other than like her existence was seen as like the variation, you know. And so um, I think that that and, and I think it's also a very interesting detail that uh, the minute woman who um, brought her in was none other than uh, good old Ravona. How did you. Uh, uh, did, did anyone see that coming or um, was that a surprise to everyone? I, I kind of figured. Yeah, I kind of figured. It wasn't a surprise for me. Yeah, like it, it wouldn't be a surprise in the sense that like there's any shock value to it. It's just that you don't necessarily see it coming. But when you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. 100%. Um, yep. we, we do get to see um, um, younger Sylvie playing with Valkyrie, which was kind of cute. Mm -hmm. um but we also understand like why she doesn't turn her back on doors and stuff anymore and um and the just that whole sequence of her going through the same way that um tom hiddleston uh loki is we see like it's a small stack and like it goes back to just like those, those the details. tone will change too yeah. because it was such a fun entry into the universe and you're like oh my gosh like the aesthetic and the production design and this is so funny and there's just this comedy and it's just a terribly sad situation when you see 100%. it in Sylvie's, uh perspective yeah, frightening for a child yeah also um sophia um di martino like 
the really cool thing is today she posted that she was a new mom on set when they were filming and her costume was able for her to breastfeed, which was really, really cool. That's really cool for her to achieve the um, the range that she did so far and knowing that she's also being this kick-ass mom and in the real world was really really cool so um if you haven't checked that out go check out her twitter yes i i think that casting her is really like marvel just the the, marvel's casting is i think it's probably most unsung i mean i think it's obvious with the big things like tom holland or robert jr but even down to the smaller characters they almost always nail it and i think the casting is really like so it's something that's so much more important than people realize, especially with things like superhero, anything with action or anything, anything that's like a heightened thing. Because if you don't find the people on screen charismatic and convincing, really, there's not really much right that writing and directing can do to make a uncharismatic performance good, you know? And I think that she really nails it in terms of she kind of has like a like I, I in a very selfish way, when I didn't recognize her when she came on screen, I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to be. Because in, in a self-reading, my mind's like, well, if she was a charismatic, great actress, I would have heard of her, which is bad. That's not a good thought process, but it is what my thought process was. And it's like, oh, no, Marvel just happened to discover, not discover because she's been on like British TV or whatever, but for global audiences, discover this actress who absolutely has the star quality that, you know, a better, like a million bigger actresses do. And I think that that's just really another thing with confidence of Marvel, because like, I was joking with um, Springthorpe in the te- in text messages yesterday that like I feel like if if you were to like t- show me this part and I have Marvel I can cast anyone I would immediately just give Vanessa Kirby a couple million dollars and ask her to do it and I think that she would have killed it but it's also like no we don't want that we want something new and we found someone who can do exactly what we want and I think it really is like it's just it just goes to show that they you know that they really care and that they're willing to take a risk on casting a relative unknown for a part like this. Because once again, I don't it think it's It also shows that they're with. more thoughtful about their characters, even if they're secondary. Because exactly. you don't need to, like the way you describe it, if this was a one note character, one that didn't have any particular depth, you could actually cast anyone like within range and it would be totally fine. And yet here, you know, not just like the main uh, ideas of what Sylvie is going to be, but like all the deeper elements to it so you really do need to actually think about casting the right person in so many ways than just simply you know look and general feel yeah and so then we get the scene in Ravona's office um that i think is just i, I really love the scenes in Ravona, Ravona's office um and this one was no different um I know, AC, I bet you're picking up on clues everywhere. I know you saw the pen came back into play. Before he goes into the clues, uh, one thing I'm just picking up uh, a lot from that, heavy daddy vibes from Ravona in that whole scene. Mm. Oh. Hmm? Yeah, she running shit. There she is. She sure is. Yeah. That's a good call by you, Jerome. Um, No, so it's funny. Like, yeah, you see all the stuff in the scene. And of course, I love that pen. Um, Every time I see that pen, I I get happy. But um, I think more so than anything. And I and I just love Mobius's character continuing to try and read Ravona the same way as uh, Loki is read by him throughout the show, and I think, and with her not realizing it to that point, because she, you know, she, at at first she's like asking, like, "Huh, why would you? Why do you care about this? Like, why is this? 
why are you why are you asking these questions like nah you know it's not really a big deal or whatever but i'm just trying to figure out such and such in terms of why would you want this person interrogate why won't you let me interrogate sylvie and stuff like that and i thought that that was a just a great scene in general because it's a cat and mouse game without it really being a cat and mouse game and it's just a reminder of uh, again a testament to owen wilson and the mobius character being as good as it is um but yeah great scene really enjoyed it yeah i i think it is it is interesting too because I think that even though what happens obviously the next scene with him getting pruned, I think the relationship is interesting because even though she clearly is hiding stuff from him, I and she the explanation of I I care about you and didn't want you to talk to her or whatever is incorrect. I think there is definitely a lot of warmth from her to him, and I think that that's what makes it interesting and complicated. If the entire thing was a lie and she didn't actually care about him, that's a lot less interesting to me than it is that like clearly she has an affinity for Mobius, and I think. Kang aside, he probably is her favorite agent or whatever. And I think that that makes these scenes where she's lying to him much more compelling. Yeah, she didn't want him to find it. She really like was really, I don't want, I don't want to do this. It's the Wesley Snipes uh, <laughs> with the gun. Um, but so, yeah, like I, what you call it, I really, I really enjoy uh, not only conversations, but when emotions are, con uh, are conveyed in a way where, you know, as the viewer, it just really, if it just feels genuine, more genuine than anything else. I, I think she carries a bit of a, like, she obviously knows more about what's going on and knows even the parts that they're lying to, but she actually just truly believes in it. Like, that's the energy I'm getting from her here, where yeah, it, um, it's not so much villainous, but then, you know, like, the greatest villains are the ones who just believe that they're right. Right. Yeah, I yeah, I think I mean when she was when she was casted and they said who she was playing, like, you know, it, it, again, that's Kang's lady, right? And so I think again when we talk about love, it's that man. Like she's doing this because she loves her man. Like and and I think whatever it is, right? Whether it's the Mortis version of Kang or whether it's the first time we're gonna see Kang, which I don't think it's that, right? Like I think it's no coincidence that that you have the Eternals coming out in November, right? Which is gonna tie into a lot of the past of the MCU, right? Um, but I think it's I think it's love. I think it's it's not. I think I think we're gonna find out that Kang, because you know we'll get to this in a second. When you get to it, Jake. But we she ends up with her and Sylvie in this room, <laughs> right? She's gonna have to give Sylvie some answers, right? And I think yeah. I think next episode will kind of start to fill in some of that. But I think it's gonna come down to that. I think it's you know Loki Loki tried to trick Thanos at the end of at the beginning of. Uh, at the beginning of Infinity War because he loved Thor. He had finally gotten to the point where he loved his brother, right? I think I think the judge, you know, big daddy judge, I think she very much did this because she loves her man. I think that's I think that's what it is. And because something went wrong that said, you know what? This idea of creating these this TVA, this is a great idea. <laughs> this is a great idea. I'm gonna go along with it. I think it's that. And I also think I think one of the things that you, because know, Shiv, you said this, and I know Jake, you had said this about how risky they were, right? And I had said this, and the last time I joined you guys, about how they casted Chris Hemsworth as Thor after just doing four minutes of Star Trek. Like he didn't do anything else. Like it was just literally that, right? But I think we're gonna find out that not that she was a puppet for Kang, but that this was also her idea too. 
And I think that's yeah. because I think they're, they're positioning her from a position of strength. That would make it so puppy. much better. Yes. I also think so that and Marvel's I, if it's a partnership, yeah. it would make it so much better. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's what we saw they, they did in WandaVision with Agatha. Agatha wasn't working with somebody. She did this on her own. She's like, yep, you, you are strong and you're a witch. I want your power. Right. And I think there's some Sharon as power broker. Right. And Sharon wasn't working for somebody. Sharon was the power broker. So I, Marvel is setting up the women in the MCU in a way that is inclusive, that is diverse. Right. And that's just absolutely badass. And I, but I think also I there's like a pattern that if this were to be true, it's just yeah. like a real uh, Disney Plus series ongoing thing and theme of like, do not trust women. Like, what is going on? Right. Here? Like, what happened? Like, and and Jerome, I don't, I don't know if you remember. I don't know. You remember you said this in episode one when we joined. You said, and you had said, you said, if they reveal that she was tricking them all along, right? Yeah. yeah. If they reveal that she was tricking them tricking all along, it's not earned because of what happened in WandaVision. And so them playing it straight, like, no, she wasn't tricking them. You know, she wasn't tricking them. It was, this is just her. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I, I think. I think still the thing that's going to be different this time around is I, I just don't feel there's going to be even like in the intent, like some move that it feels like it's a trick as much as just like, this is the natural progression of the plot and that you just have opposing sides and opposing ideologies coming to a head. Like it's, it's not, it's definitely not a power broker situation. It's definitely not an Agatha like hiding under it. Like, it, like I don't even take Ravona as someone hiding in plain sight. Again, as a person who is just operating but losing control of what they've been controlling this whole time. And I, I want to get Shiv's take on how uh, Ravona is positioned in this thus far, because I think it is a very interesting character, and I'm excited to see how she ends up coming out. But um, I think there's just like I also think like the look that she has, the the beige suits and stuff matching the beige furniture and all that is so fascinating and. I don't even, I'm not even sure what it says, but it's saying something. But I, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, if we're like, she's, it's so funny because I was just listening to you guys say that, you know, women don't matter a little bit. And I was kind of angry, but um, <laughs> uh, I think she's really cool. And we also see her in a regular suit, like the Minutemen, right? Um, and we see her kind of go into this power suit and judge office and her office is huge so we know that she is someone who's strong and even just the way that gugu stands in her suit is it plays into the the character so well the way they um, shoot her just presence. like how what she carries hence yeah why i was like i i think when i saw especially like i guess in contrast to an owen wilson who was very casual in the moment like when i saw them cross uh sit across from each other and they went from the point of view of just seeing ravona talking like i was just like wait this is this might be a daddy vibe like that's why i got that in the moment but um yeah. sorry i just got you off there you no, know, you're totally fine um she you never really see her in like a close-up emotional side. you see that that full body you see the power stance in her like she can kick your ass but she's also gonna control herself because she is you know the mastermind behind this TVA probably. Um, so I, I, I truly love everything Google brings to the character and um, she, I don't, yeah, she is a daddy so far. This is honestly huge news for the pod, but I, and, and I, and it does also raise the question of like, how do you get promoted to the TVA? Um, 
you know, like, is there a fast track for promotion? Was that like negotiated by the union that like you have to certain hour anyway? Um, and so, um, the, what, what's a quarterly review when you don't really have like time? When time doesn't exist. That's a great question. Um, but then Mobius switches out the temp pads um, because he's a smart guy. And then he goes to the library and he watches the clip of C20 explaining that she was a person, which is like really tragic and um, uh, yeah. really well played. And like it, it's not played. It, I think it's just, it's played as simply as it needs to be. It's not like you, see, I, I like actually, I usually don't cut to a different angle or whatever. It's just, you see it from what he's seeing and it mm-hmm. really feel him feeling it at the time. And then of course, Ravona steps in. Not, not to detract from like the emotion of it. I got to say for like all the retro looking things, I really love how that video screen had like that kind of oh, Atari yeah. old, just like look to it. Um, while being super clean. It was super cool. Lots of orange. Yes. I was a big fan of that because it, yeah, it definitely felt the it was a very interesting version of like retro but advanced. Um, it's something that I hadn't seen before. But um, so then Mobius goes to get Loki, and um, they uh, he's basically like, okay, let's go. You get the moment. Like we're gonna work together now. And they leave the time cell. And uh, who's waiting for him? But uh, Ravona Renslayer and a bunch of Minutemen. And um, you know, Mobius tries to lie and he plays it off, but. Uh, when asked where he could go anywhere, which is a question Ravona asked him earlier, he says, um, where I'm really from, where I had a life before the TVA came along. Maybe I had a jet ski. Um, and uh, I'm heartbroken. Yeah. And Yo, I, mean, I thought to... it's it originally like when that when that happened, I was like, what? No. Why? I, you know what? <laughs> you know what sucks the most about that one, too, is because like it was obviously going there and you had to sit there for at least a good half minute to like a few minutes to get to the point of actually doing it. and like it, it's it's just the emotion around across the board is brutal because like ravona doesn't want to do it but she no has to and loki's and, reaction to it is another thing that and was, yeah that. and loki's there and he knows it's coming like everyone knows it's coming and they all know they can't do anything about it and i think it's so tragic for loki because this is one of the first people who's ever believed him when he was telling the truth. And like, that is such a powerful thing for Loki. And mm-hmm. to have that person immediately get taken away is like, gee, it's like crushing. Cause it's like, Oh, I finally tell the truth to someone and this is what it gets them. He, he made like his first friend and his first yeah. friend got taken away. It, um, it's, which- it's like the Bucky monologue where he talked about how um, if cap chose, you know, Sam and Sam doesn't take it, then like his whole, like it's just his whole world falls apart because it's just like the one person who believes in me and then like they're wrong, then I don't know what to believe. No, that's spot on. I think too, I think you remember in when he joins Thor on the ship, right? And and Thor says, you know, if you were really here, I'd give you a hug. And he was there, right? At the end mm-hmm. of Ragnarok. Um, their relationship, him and Thor's relationship is so good at the end, right? Like it's it's full of love and acceptance for who the other one is. Even Thor tells him in Ragnarok, he's like, you're always going to do what, what I expect you to do. You know, like, why would I be surprised, right? And I think his, his expression when Mobius is being pruned uh, is one of, you, you know what's something different about that? Just because you described that dynamic, like yeah. in Ragnarok, Thor loves him in even spite of what he, despite what he is. Ragnarok. Like he loves him for who he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In Loki, 
Mobius is his friend and loves him for what he thinks he can be. What he thinks he can be, right? Which, yeah. again, like, so Loki's seeing this. It's very similar to how Frigga loves him. Very similar to how Frigga loves him. It's it's this, I, like, even in, in Dark Worlds, he tells him, she's like, boy, I was raised by witches, right? Like, <laughs> like, I know you. I see you, right? And so it wasn't her trying to change him. It wasn't her trying to... It was just her loving him for who he could be, who she felt he could be. But it wasn't her pushing him to accept his destiny or anything like that. And I think Mobius represents that for him, too. Like, it's like, oh, and you got to remember, those are two different Lokis, right? Because Frigga tries to save him after he tries to capture Asgard, after he tries to capture Earth. Here, he doesn't even make it back to Asgard. This is the Loki that didn't even make it back to yeah. see his mom die. So I, I agree, Jerome. I think it's that. I think it's it's somebody genuinely liking him for him, you uh, you know, and not trying to change him or anything like that. And after Mobius finds out everything, Mobius even tells him, "You can be anything. You yeah. can be good." And that that, yeah. that thought that because was if there's no sacred timeline, then he has that no one is knowable. You know, um, and that's uh, beautiful. Anyway, they get taken down to talk to the timekeepers to get pruned in front of them, and um, we meet the timekeepers who are space lizards, and they look. Before I realized it, I mean, I figured they're kind of fake, but they look really shitty. Like they look uh, not good. Um, you didn't does it like look that? like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Yeah. Does anyone does else not? get that? That's a, I mean, that's a it, good comp. I, I would love Disney to create the room and just do it in a very Hall of Presidents kind of way. Yeah, it's funny. I saw someone on Twitter say that it was it that it disappointed them because it reminded them of. Um, Palpatine's like gigantic room in the last, uh, I mean, the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, but I, I mean, my all reaction, of it had that. My reaction, insult. <laughs> no, my reaction to that though is good because that looked shitty, and this is supposed to be shitty too. Like this isn't real. Right. Like this is not a real throne room. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I would have loved a recut of the scene where uh, Loki and uh, Sylvie walk in, and it's just like the first one going like, "Guess whose birthday it is today." <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness so yeah they're they're uh they don't look good but before they're about to get pruned b15 comes in on like takes like their chains off or whatever their uh neck break whatever's um and there's a fight and i think we gotta talk about it ac i saw you talking on twitter the fighting in this show isn't good and i'm okay with that <laughs> but it's not good oh man so it's funny so it reminded me and shout out to megan hines who's a power rangers fan like, I remember back in the day, I used to watch Power Rangers, and I remember, like, you know, it's the situation where all of them are fighting the putties, and while they're fighting the putties, like, it's like, you got, you you fight, yeah, they, they, yeah, they got the sound like Jerome's doing, but not only that, but there's, like, eight, eight, like, sometimes the Power Rangers are fighting, like, 20 putties at a time, so it's like, they're surrounded, so in that instance, you always have the situation where they're, you know, they're punching one, and the others are just waiting to get in there. And it just reminds me of every Power Rangers episode in every 90s action movie where you're fighting like five dudes and you're there's only one of you and you're you're fighting the one and then there's another one just waiting to get in after the fact. So like I, mean, I get your criticism, get but if this all turns into like Tommy the Green Ranger was behind all of this, I'll be like, this is the fucking greatest <laughs> show in the history. Yes. Of I was gonna say, put some respect on Super yeah. Sentai's name. Give the Power Rangers what they deserve. Yes. Somebody um, pull out. Somebody pull out the flute, man. Let's get the. Let's get <laughs> it. <laughs> 
going. But yeah, man. Like, like ooh, if 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 ooh, they go to rough. another like official timekeeper's room and it's just Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa and Goldar sitting on like particulars, like I'm done. This is yeah, the greatest uh, thing yeah, in uh, the history of the world. All I add is that if when we if uh, a Sylvie gets pruned and then she's met by other Sylvies and one of them is played <laughs> by uh, what's it? Amy Jo Johnson was uh, the Pink Ranger. Oh. Then uh, <laughs> that'd be the love of my life. Good call. Good call. Uh, but anyway, yes, I'll, I'll go the drone. I, the only reason I remember that is because I remember that that was my mom would tease my older brother about that because he his first crush as a kid was uh, the Pink Ranger. Yeah, no, that's that's, yeah. that's so I right think call. it's pretty common. Um, right. My first crush was yeah. the Green Ranger, which then yeah. turned into the yeah. White Ranger, right? Green, or was it the other one? And then I think it became like every like we would need to then bring became everybody's Power Ranger. <laughs> yes, yeah. Megs, if you don't mind uh, telling us all on the Discord after you hear this, like just the breakdown of all the Rangers that Tommy has been. Yeah, of course. Like uh, if there was <laughs> Tommy is a variant. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Um, and so there's a fight. And the thing is, the thing I feel about these fight scenes, though, is the thing that frustrates me is I actually think that this is kind of Marvel not having as much confidence in what type of show this is because this they don't they don't need to be fight scenes in the show really. Like no. in the no. like in this like and, and and if there's gonna be fight scenes, they should be not done like hand to hand stuff. Like I think about you know the show has been compared to Doctor Who a lot. And, like Doctor Who doesn't have like fist fight fight scenes because the Doctor finds other ways to win fights because Loki and, and like Loki. I don't need Loki and Sylvie to be great hand-to-hand combat because that's not what they are well I mean, we know if, sylvie is better than Loki, yes right yeah, okay yeah. sylvie can but yeah also i was really confused in terms of props because the pruning prop like it all of a sudden has like a part to the end that's like yeah. pointy but i'm pretty sure earlier episodes didn't have pointy it ones was yeah it was it wasn't yeah i was like wait did we just have different pruning weapons also, now i'm wondering <laughs> were they actually just pruning this whole time on sakara because because it it did resemble the grandmaster it's, it's, the, it's the big it's melting right. stick is what originally it is. Yeah. It like maybe just, they were using it for other things yeah, 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 yeah. right right, right. <laughs> how about that um, how about that yes and so uh eventually um it's my know, birthday uh, yeah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> eventually uh sylvie ends up throwing a sword at one of the timekeepers and it turns out that they are animatronic um and uh and shout out to falcon who said in falcon and winter soldier androids are one of the big three he was right you see that is see? True. <laughs> well no, but are they androids if they don't have a mind of their own are they androids though because i are they are they because it depends how much they're being controlled because like, right. they have like an ai then they're androids we, we would they're actually have to ask like the true leader behind all of this chuck e cheese yeah. Oh, okay, can we just throw out that I've actually been banned from Chuck E. Cheese's because as what? a kid what? I had a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party and I kicked Chuck E. Cheese. And so I it is a very terrifying thing. There, there, to it's, have. it's funny because there is actually security cam footage of the whole event. Shiv kicks over the animatronic uh No, robot. I kicked the real person. Oh, you kicked the real in person in the suit? Yeah. Right. And so and then I went would... saying the TVA is not real. Now like, yeah. I, and I assume people, most people in this chat know this, maybe not. But Shiv, as a person who's banned from Chuck E. Cheese, do you know what the E in Chuck E. Cheese stands for? Entertainment, right? Yes, Chuck E. Charles, Charles che- Entertainment Cheese. There's Yeah, the official biography. Which, it's crazy. But um, as an adult, though, I was a, a nanny um, 
I nannied through college and I took some the kids to Chuck E. Cheese and I learned that Chuck E. Cheese pizza is the best pizza in the fuck the mm. in the entire world. So we just need to throw that out. Chuck there. E. Cheese, very similar background to Logie. Like just mm. except like took it in different, like more positive directions. I don't know if I'd be more positive, but um uh <laughs> but anyway. So, Chuck E. Yeah. Cheese also hedonist. That I mean, yes, he inv- he invented a whole chain just to party with people. I mean, oh man, just to party with kids. There's something sp- there's something a little shaky. Oh, no. <laughs> we don't we don't. I was gonna go there, and honestly, knowing myself, I'm kind of surprised I didn't. But um, that no. Uh, but so, um, we uh, they're kind of like confused as to what to do, um, mm-hmm. and uh. Loki has an idea of, you know, like clearly something happened on Lamentis when they were about to kiss or whatever. I don't know if Sylvie was fully aware that that's what Loki's intentions were, but she, he, she, he grabs her and he's very awkward. And as someone who loves awkward moments in romantic comedies, I thought that this was played really well. Um, but unlike a romantic comedy, before she can kiss him, uh, he gets pruned. And that was the moment where my, when I was watching it with my wife, she was like, Nah, then he ain't he ain't dead. No, that's yeah, how I knew Mobius was alive. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's what like that, that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, Mobius is fine. Yeah. I was actually hoping he was dead, and this I, is really I, I sad. Have, I, I was hoping really he was dead, impressed. and then I was hoping that Sylvie was the Loki that we see forever now. And like, I was yo, like, yay, no more Tom Hiddleston, yay. <laughs> but um, you know, I, and then I, I had this, and I felt like it wasn't. I think a lot of times when they do like a thing where people who you think are dying are not actually dying is kind of cheap. But I think the fact that they consistently use the word pruned yeah, and they never said killed and like yeah, your yeah. mind filled that in. But like at no point, if you go back and recheck the tapes, at no point did they tell you these people are getting killed, you know? Right. Um, and so I thought that they didn't, you know, ruin that. And then of course, uh, there's a little fight between Sylvie and Ravona, and um, Sylvie uh, gets Ravona on the ground and tells her, you're gonna tell me everything. And then we get the credits and then we get the post-credit scene, which I know is what we all wanna talk about. Um, yeah. AC, talk, to, uh, you can go because I, I know you loved it. Oh man, that was great, man. So we get kind of basically what uh, I remember talking about, uh, you know, along the the future Young Avengers theme. Now I don't know if they, they're gonna they're gonna add them in it, but I mean, okay, but we before we get... talk about like where this could go, let's just actually describe what. No, happened. no, I'm about to say the people. I'm about to say the people. Yeah, we yeah. get we get Kid Loki. Um, it was confirmed that was an alligator, not a crocodile. Thank you. Uh, cr- so alligator Loki. Uh, both. No bullshit. Loki. I could have told you that just being from Florida. You, the snout is right, right. No, honestly, yeah, yeah. like the right, snout. Right, right. If you yeah, look, yeah. if you actually look at a photo of an alligator and a crocodile side by side, you'll never get them confused. The, they just gen- the snout just look completely different. I love the right. mini. Uh, horns on the, the amount of exploration movie. into lizards and reptiles in this show. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they're really getting in there. Um, but yeah, so we it's also have both, both <laughs> we have both for Loki, the black Loki, and we also got uh Richard E. Grant as the classic Loki. So, Shout out to Richard E. Grant, the legend, daddy energy. Sorry, mm. <laughs> I mean, big Richard E. Grant guy. Well, I mean, I, would definitely make Jake's list. <laughs> No, honestly, the school no. Loki outfit. The yes, the Jack school. Kirby, the Jack Kirby, the Jack Kirby yes. Loki. So the just OG. shout out to yeah, comic. Well, shout out to Jack and, Kirby. And there's this running joke on Twitter, right? That like old white men when they see friends that they haven't seen in a long time, they always go, 
Mitch, you sandbagging son of a bitch. Is that you? So let me tell you, after <laughs> I was watching this episode, I said, Big Dick Grant, is that you? <laughs> I said, what is going on here? Because, I, because again, like when we talk about the casting and about being intentional, that is Richard E. Grant. That is uh, a uh, the other thing that uh, white old white people like to say to each other when they meet at like a bar is this is the best thing. White dudes over fifty, if so, they're at a bar and one of them gets in, like oh, Richard Grant, who let you in here? <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so I just want to say, good job by our, our our own Loki. By you know, first he's doing the breathing, like am I alive or whatever, and then uh, we get we get the line that um if you want to live you got to come with us and then you get that shot at the end i was like yes that's what i'm talking about cool. bravo yes he's all the different lokis um it's i'm fascinated to see what this is is this a reality that's populated exclusively by the lokis is this popular by everyone that's been pruned ever um well, it remains to be seen um but i need yeah. basically like i don't care or about most of the loki surviving i need alligator loki to survive to hang out with rocket raccoon yeah interesting i mean kid loki just gets you excited for yeah, young course. avengers right which yes. is what we are seeing in each show so far right we're seeing a part of young avengers and then we'll see young avengers again with kate bishop in the hawkeye series that is yet to come so that's the exciting thing yes yeah. it's very exciting I think- I think what stood out to me was they're all standing in front of a destroyed Avengers headquarters. Like they, you see it in the background, the Avengers HQ is just absolutely ransacked. It mm. looks like a, it honestly looks like, you know, not to go too deep into the weeds, but it looks like X-Men days of future past the, the, uh, the apocalypse that hit New York mm-hmm. when the Sentinels took over, like it looks like that. Now that I don't think that's what they're doing here necessarily, but it's just very dystopian, very, you know, run down and, you know, Richard. Honestly, Grant. as ugly as the apocalypse in this. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I think that so that stood out to me. But to, to the point about Kid Loki, man, like so, the only one that has not been introduced or that we know, like that we know of, is Hulkling. That's the only one that hasn't been talked about. And but we do have a secret invasion show coming, and we know that he is, you know, I think part eight. So I, I, I think I, I'm really excited to see just how they how they get to that because what you know, you guys have said this at the beginning, Jake. You had said this, or I think it might have been you, Jerome. Loki had the least amount to do, right? Because of the fact that it was an old Loki, 2012 Loki. We know what happened to him. It didn't. There, there wasn't. At least that originally, I remember thinking I was like, "There's not much you have to do." Wandavision and and Falcon these were Avengers after Endgame. So you had to move the board a little bit, right? Like Sam had to become Cap. You had to get Wanda to the point where she's Scarlet Witch so Doctor Strange can deal with her in in his movie. But this one has done... They also have to deal with what happened to them. Right, right, exactly. Whereas Loki, Loki has set up more about what, you know, Anthony, you know, AC and I have talked about this, what Secret Wars should look like when they launch mm-hmm. that in, 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 you know, in about three, four years, because you have all these different Lokis. You have Kid Loki for the Young Avengers. You have OG Loki, which could mean so many different things. You have the multiverse, these multiple timelines, right? It's going to be really interesting because they've had the most to kind of set up uh, the most things that will impact so many different things. And, and this end credit scene, I remember I just sat up. I was like, wow. I was like, they really went there. Yeah, it looks like it looks like the this next episode. I mean, to me, if I had to guess, we get in the council of Loki scenario, then that should be mm-hmm. pretty fun. 
I, I think what has been really good about this series, um, obviously it's not over, but at least so far in a way that I feel can be an MCU thing, but also in the Disney Plus, like the way they universe build or set up or uh, foreshadow things coming, like every time they do it, it never actually detracts. Like you never feel it's like pulling away from what's actually happening in the action. It's just mm. things happen. And then um, it's not so much like a planted Easter egg as much as like it fits perfectly in there and it's setting up for later. Well, like a disc drive that you, that you put in and then you see everybody in action. Right, right, right exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we're at the end of the episode and I just wondered if anyone has any final thoughts. Um, I feel like we had a good discussion. Uh, well over the runtime of the episode, which is exactly where we need to be. Um, I'll start with you, Jerome, since you still might have to run at any moment. I mean, it could uh, happen. It could I happen. feel like I actually might make it to the end. Yeah. Here. What are, what are your final like thoughts? Me. Uh, um, no, it was a really good episode. Uh, I do. Re- it was just a stray thought, but the um, scene in front of the rocks cart where uh, uh, they're trying to retrieve the memories and figure out like how their variants or what if they're real and all that. I, I just remember thinking uh, very loosely, it gave me some Blade Runner vibes, like mm. with replicants and the rain and all that, just all that happening. Um, but otherwise, no, uh, like you said, we, we covered it in a time that was longer than the actual episode itself. So we've covered every detail I could think of, but it's, it's been, yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, I think what is really exciting is what they put out in this episode. Um, we could not possibly have called for it in terms of like the whenever we come out of each of these uh podcast episodes and think like what are we looking forward to it's like i I, especially for those like shiv uh dalbin and ac where they know it could go there but they to dalbin's point what he said like i didn't know they would go there and i think that's really cool like i think what's really nice and listening to all of you talk about it is just like, oh, yeah, obviously I knew it was going to go there or like it could go there, but I didn't know they would do that. And um, I think that's really exciting. Uh, Dalbin. So for me, the biggest and I and I'll come back to this point. Mobius's quote, you know, we've dealt with Kree, we've dealt with scrolls, we've dealt with vampires. And how is it the two demigods with daddy issues are the ones that are giving us the most problems? And it was a throwaway line, but there is nothing that Marvel does that's a throwaway, right? Um, you know, and and you know, we saw the Shang, the new Shang-Chi trailer, right? Where you saw Abomination fighting Wong in, in Hell in a Cell, right? Um, and I thought that was good. I thought that was gonna be the the thing that blew my mind, you know, you know, in perfect. Would as be I, great if that was a Hell in a Cell situation. I, I needed to be instead, a Hell in a Cell. Instead of Kane, it's Kang. It's <laughs> Kang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but just the Again, man, like vampires, right? Like if you would have said that, like, and again, Wesley Snipes is the OG. Some motherfuckers always want to ice skate uphill, right? Like Wesley Snipes is the OG. <laughs> but knowing knowing that Mahershala is going to crush it because you just know he's going to. Yeah. But now knowing that they exist in the MCU, I think that's something that I, I'm going to take away from this. And even from WandaVision. In fairness at this point. Like you have a multiverse, you have like yeah. timelines going over. What the fuck wouldn't exist? What wouldn't exist? What wouldn't exist? <laughs> I mean, and definitionally, exciting... everything exists ever. And that's technically speaking, we yeah. exist in the multiverse. But right. Exactly. We, we are we are all variants. I would none love none of to... us. I, I think it is rude, like how for how close we've gone on this podcast, and none of us have confirmed that we are in fact casted in the new Spider-Man. But it's I'm okay. So, we'll wait until I, we all see I'm each other. I'm so on the mad that I can't legally do it yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And I really want it to be a surprise when Toby and I are, are reenacting the Spider-Man 3 emo dance through New York. It, it's, it is awkward <laughs> when you have to sit in the boardroom and just say like, no, no, like a Canadian Spider-Man is something different. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but so, so I say that like, I think you guys are spot on. Like there's nothing that, there's nothing that Marvel has said, no, nah, that's a little too crazy. We can't do that. Like vampires in the, in this, like you're like, man, how, but we're getting vampires. Jared Leto. <laughs> right, right. Jared, we're getting vampires. We're getting a schizophrenic Jewish guy who fights crime in Moon Knight, right? Yo, so we're going oh to get God. that. There's just so much <laughs> coming, and Loki makes me even more excited for what's coming down the, the pike. But it's the vampire line. That stuck with me because I said, ooh, I know that. I did the cap. I understood that reference. I got and, that. And the good thing, too, about your everything about Wesley being the OG is correct, but it is nice to know. I very much doubt that Mahershala will do ever film a scene where he refuses to open his eyes and then make the <laughs> VFX team put eyes on top of his closed eyes. I don't think he'll ever do that. That uh, would be a great job to have. Just it, to like, I don't think it would have been Marshall. just to take a get. You can ask the people on Blade uh, Trinity who had to do that for Wesley. I don't think they enjoyed it. But that was also like 2006 technology. But anyway, I'm going to find them and ask them just for you. You know what? And lastly, Jake, because you mentioned the, the 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 greatness that is Blade Trinity. How exciting is it going to be when my man Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool has to meet Blade? Right? Like that's you know damn be well he's saying. And I really feel bad about using this phrase because it's. But he said, "Am I wrong? The one phrase is." What is cock juggling thundercunt? Is that anything he says in that movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, that's a, that's a oh my god. That's a real. I, I, yeah, I, I, I genuinely apologize. I don't feel bad about saying almost anything, but that I just want to confirm that he does actually say that. That's in a movie that came out in the 21st century. Anyway, Shiv. I mean, like, he, yeah, it's, no. it's an ad lib that happens that Ryan Reynolds probably drops at this time, and everyone just like, yes, did yes. we get that? Yes. Um, okay, so I know we're way over time, but I have three I quick thoughts. Um, oh. Yes. Um, one, Lamentous One, and that scene that you think looks like Black Widow and Loki talking was not it. But right. um <laughs> but screw the so screw that scene. But um they could have did a little bit better in production wise in that scene just to make it a little bit different, in my opinion, because Sylvie mm. looks way too much like Black Widow in that moment. But um, please don't come after me, Marvel. I know where you are. Also, I do have to say that I'm pretty sure I don't exist in the MCU because I exist in a galaxy far, far away. Um, but hey, um, it's fair. But I will say the multiverse, de- once again, every single different thing that could possibly happen exists. So, okay. Well, I mean, the day that the MCU and Star Wars, uh, you know, collide is the day that I was meant to be really under the Disney wing. But um, the second thing was that um, Chronopolis is what I think that city is, which is the city where Kang is from um, in the in that end credit scene and which is made up of like every single thing that's being pruned and everything that's been taken um, from the TVA. So interesting to see if that's true, if I'm wrong. Um, and then the last thing is, did anyone, you know, this is this might be for Dublin and for, for AC, did you guys think about Battle World and Doctor Doom at all watching any of this Loki series? No? Yes? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, Dalvin looks like he did. I didn't because I, I know the Doctor Doom thing, like a lot of things, a lot of things changed with with uh, when we were supposed to expect him. And that's a that's another story for another time. But Dalvin, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so I similar to AC, like I I remember you know, hearing that he was going to be somewhere else, that he was going to pop up somewhere else. Um, I think 
one of the things we talked about this a little bit in terms of just like how Marvel had to adjust to the to the coronavirus, right? So Val, right, uh, Julia Lewis Dreyfus is, you know, we know she's in Black Widow. That was where it was supposed to, that was supposed to be her debut, and then she shows up in Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is going to be her second appearance, right? There's been a lot that shifted, but I do think I do I did get big Doctor Doom vibes, which again, like if you're going to come after Thanos, right, like the big bad for the MCU. You have Kang, you have Galactus, and you have Doctor Doom. Like, like that would be the you you pick from them three. So I did get big Doctor Doom vibes because I also think if you're going to do Secret Wars and this multiverse and the worlds colliding, which I do think part of that is true in the TVA, regardless of what's happening, you have Doc- You need Doctor Doom. You need him there. And so 100%. yes, I, I'm with you. When I saw that, I was like, huh. I was like, we'll tuck that away because I also do not think there's Marvel doesn't do anything by accident. I don't think there's anything that they do by accident. Mm. AC, all right, final thoughts? Yeah, yeah. Um, just quickly, I, I, I just find it wild, and this is just like a personal thing that next week we have episode five of Loki and Black Widow on Friday, and, and I'm not even going to, to see it till next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's just funny. That's just funny. And I'm probably not going to be on the internet very much no. during my time off anyway. So hey, you should I, be. Take a, no, take a no, no. I, I'm planning. I'm definitely like getting off the grid for a little bit. And that's, I just find that funny in itself. But as far as Loki is concerned, uh, yeah, this Council of Loki's thing interests me. Um, Ravona, Ravona and, and Sylvie, that what that conversation is going to be like and what Ravona chooses to reveal and how she tries to get out of the situation that she's in currently. That's intriguing. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for the way that this show is uh, for, for the way that this show is going and to see where it all ends up, because this is one of the few times where, yeah, you could say that obviously all roads lead to Kang, but basically how they get there is anybody's guess. And, and the way that they end this show, it, it's not something that I feel like in the sense like uh, like WandaVision, there was a different kind of expectation. Or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there was a different expectation. This show feels so much more open-ended that it allows the viewer, uh, specifically me in this case, to just be open to all possibilities. So I'm excited for that. And yeah, I'm excited for all this stuff. I have nothing more to add, uh, except just to say thank you for listening. And just to go through everyone, our, thank our guests so much, Shivani and Dalbeen. Shivani, where can people find you? Um, you can find me at Shivani Vanfall on all social media, or you can hang out with me in the Discord where you can at me. So yeah. please join the MCU Pod Discord. It's great. Thank you for the promotion. It means a lot. Also, guys, don't forget Want Not Need Fun. Shivani's great charity. Uh, big fan. Dalbeen, where can people find you? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at da underscore osario. Uh, come for the takes, stay for my jet fandom, and the fact that you know I can root for Luka Doncic until he forces his way out of Dallas because Mark Cuban's a psychopath. Um, you know, and and you know, I will say again, guys, and, I, and you know, and I'm not saying this just to BS you guys. Like you guys are dope. Um, I've loved listening to you guys before you asked me to come on. I love rocking with you guys now, um, and I. 
genuinely like you guys. You guys are genuinely good people. And I love to see genuinely good people win. So whatever you guys need, whenever you guys want me back. And I'm seeing Black Widow next Friday at noon, guys. So uh, AC, I will Shout DM you. We I'll don't DM even have theaters Friday. open in Toronto. So I got to figure out this. They just um, opened yeah, here. Yeah, so yeah. they just opened. Uh, FaceTime you, Jerome. Yeah, I'm yeah, seeing it. Uh, at, I have 7 o'clock at, on Friday tickets with Michael Springthorpe at the best theater in the world, which is, of course, the Magic Johnson AMC in Harlem. <laughs> yes. Truly the best. at home next saturday nice or sunday yeah. one of those two days if i have enough time yep. and we'll be yeah and we'll have the pot up early next week um not, not sorry, early week after next the week um, after next yeah. right and so, yeah. yes and for my host uh jerome where can people follow you uh you can follow me at black dragon roll on twitter and instagram and ac and you can follow me at anthony canton underscore three and uh, I'm looking forward to listening to next week's episode since I won't be a part of it. I'm looking forward yes. to seeing. And I think, guys. by the way, as this episode has been going on, you can check our. This is public on Twitter. Uh, we just booked a guest, uh, a big guest who wants to come on again, who who finally said he wants to talk to us about Loki. And unfortunately, AC, you're going to miss him. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, big guest? Yeah, you know, well, no, our, our uh, HB. Uh, oh, that's nice, man. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's the perfect setup. He, really? he literally, just, he literally just tweeted us. He tweeted like halfway through this pod. All right, <laughs> at MC University Pod, I'm ready to talk. <laughs> <laughs> that is tremendous. Um, that is but tremendous. anyway, Shout out to I can't yes. believe we left him with Lady Siv this long to finally get him to come out and talk to us again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the J. Christie, the Smiler Podcast, No Funk, Strictly Monkin which I talk about the show Monk with Andre Brera. But more importantly than all that, like Shiv mentioned, like we mentioned up top, the Patreon, we just revised the tiers. Um, so now what it is, the $3 tier is you get the Discord and then you get bonus episodes two weeks after they come out. $5, you get the Discord and get the bonus episodes when they come out immediately. $10, you get the bonus episodes immediately, the Discord. You get a special chat room on the Discord and you get an appearance on an upcoming mailbag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just check it us Look out. out for mission impossible also, this sunday yes, this if yeah, we got mission impossible dropping i think the other thing that has been fun for us is while we are trying to keep up with all of the bonus episodes and things like that like sometimes we just drop things when we feel like it like yeah. you might just get a live reaction to a new trailer that yes, drops the Shang, which is, uh, the Shang which is trailer, so cool, which is cool. Yeah. yes so with all that being said um for shivani for dabin for jerome for ac I've been your temporary but actually unnecessary in hindsight host, Jake Christie. I, if anything, this works. Like we got to put it a very. Jake was in the amazing. Mix. You were you amazing. Were fantastic. I, I, yeah, I, I, I know what I'm doing, but it just was kind of like <laughs> I only needed to do it because Jerome wasn't gonna, you know, be here. But anyway, please join us next week because we keep talking about. Jerome Loki. had his load managed this week. Yeah, yes, he had his, yes, he had his load managed. Uh, and uh, happy Canada Day in from yesterday when we're recording it, and have a great Fourth of July weekend. Talk to you next week.